Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello, my friends in the injured senior community. This is attorney Stephen Heisler. I am the founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and I'm taping this today from my basement at my house in hazy and humid Baltimore, Maryland. You are dialed in to the Injured Senior Podcast, where we educate and discuss issues of importance to the injured senior and elderly population and to the children and loved ones of injured seniors and elder, too. I am your humble host, and I am so happy to be with you today. So one of the most dreaded diagnoses one can get nowadays, other than pancreatic cancer and Lou Gehrig's disease, is early-onset dementia and Alzheimer's. In 2017, 37,000 commercially insured Americans between the ages of 30 to 64 were diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's, according to a study done by Blue Cross Blue Shield. The condition has grown by 131%. That's right, you heard that correctly. Increasing from 1.3 per 10,000 adults ages 30 to 64 in 2013 to 3.0 in 2017. So three out of every 10,000 adults ages 30 to 64 will be diagnosed with early onset dementia and or Alzheimer's. So what is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Dementia is an overall term used to describe symptoms that impact memory, performance of daily activities, and communication abilities. Alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia. Alzheimer's disease gets worse with time and affects memory, language, and thought. So obviously, injured senior community, early onset dementia comes unexpectedly, and it comes early. So when one has been diagnosed with early onset dementia, it robs the afflicted individual of so many things, including their ability to work. Many seniors who are diagnosed with early onset dementia have no choice but to apply for long-term disability and or social security disability. So here to talk to us today about early onset dementia and social security disability is attorney Emmett Irwin. Folks, Emmett is a social security disability and elder law attorney in Baltimore, Maryland, who previously was paid by hospitals and nursing homes to get disability and medical benefits for patients. Several years ago, Emmett started his own law firm so he could work for private clients. Emmett is the co-chair of the Disability Benefits Section of the Maryland Association for Justice the Vice Chair of the Elder Law and Disability Rights Section of the Maryland State Bar Association, 
and a member of the peer review of the state of Maryland. Emmett is also a former Division Three basketball player who is very, very tall. <laughs> Welcome, Emmett. How are you today? I'm fine, Steve. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure, my friend. Uh, Emmett, you're like six foot ten. <laughs> I'm five foot six inches on a good day. I like come up to your waist. You know, that's just, that's wrong. All right. So well, let's just get that out right now. It's the elephant in the room. <laughs> if this was a video podcast, I'd have you stand up so people could see your enormous length of, you know, height. So yeah, we'll, we'll get past that. But all kidding aside, I said you were division three uh, basketball player. You were up, played up in Vermont, correct? Yeah, that's right, Steve. I played up in Vermont. We didn't do much else but play basketball and drink beer. And shovel right. snow? Yeah, a little, little skiing, snowball fights, that kind of thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. So how long have you been handling uh, SSD cases? I've been handling SSD cases now since 2008, so 12 years. Okay. And for our listeners in the injured senior community, can you give me a, a ballpark figure as to when you started seeing early onset dementia cases? Has that been since uh, you, know, you started or has it become more prevalent just over the past couple of years? It's been since I started, but they were fewer and far between back then. And they've been getting more and more prevalent as you know, the population starts to age, the silver tsunami, as you would say, uh, the baby boomers are getting a little older and some people are starting to have some issues with dementia. All right. So what, what would you say are the average ages or just you know, the, the average age of an early onset dementia client? People I'm seeing are from 58 to 64 years old, 65 years old. After 65, SSD really isn't an issue because you hit full retirement age at 66 or 67 years old. So we're really not applying for SSD for people older than about 65. Okay. So you're saying somewhere between, I mean, the average age is 58, but you're only taking cases for social security disability. And that's folks, what we mean by SSD, social security disability. You only take cases up to 65 because after 65, they automatically get social security retirement, whether they're disabled or not, correct? That's correct, Steve. Okay. But for the person that comes to you at 58 years old, and they've got early onset uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, what is the likelihood of, of them being able to get Social Security disability within a reasonable period of time? It's a really great chance, Steve. Early onset Alzheimer's and other kind of dementia, we see vascular dementia, we see uh, frontotemporal dementia, but it, the the symptoms are really very similar and what happens is the short-term memory issues their concentration issues most of the clients that i see have higher level type jobs very skilled type jobs sedentary jobs where 
they need the brain functioning very well. And then once the early signs hit, the short-term memory problems hit and the concentration issues hit, there's really no way they can do those jobs anymore. And so they either quit or get fired or take an early retirement. And then they come to me and ask, well, what can I do about this? And really the the driving force in a, an SSD case are the symptoms. Just the um, diagnosis of one of the dementias isn't going to get Social Security to approve disability. They're really going to look at the symptoms. How much are the short-term memory issues impacting your daily life? How much are the concentration issues affecting your daily life? And what are some examples of how it can affect their daily life or or affect their ability to do their job? Right. So um, some of the examples are, so there'll be complex problems. I, I have a client that was an IT in a relatively high level IT job as a middle manager and would have to project manage these very complex international projects and you can imagine that if if you're trying to manage a one of these projects and you keep forgetting what you just read that that's going to have a big big impact on your job and that's that's really one of the first things forgetting what you read is you know that that happens with age anyway to a certain extent but when you're when you're having to read things two or three more times to understand them then that can be indicative of a problem the mental fatigue from from concentration issues that is one of the problems that i'm seeing where okay you have to do an 8 10 hour day and concentrate the great majority of that time you start at 8 a.m and by about 1 p.m you just can't concentrate on anything anymore that's one of the that's one of the issues that i see in people that have this diagnosis also so people who are white collar workers uh who have to do a lot of thinking and and you know just reading and basically concentrating so if they can show that they just can't do that you know they that they don't just don't have the faculties now to be able to to do that job if they show that you know if you can prove it then what is the likelihood that social security is going to approve them it depends on associated issues such as physical issues so when someone's 60 something years old and they have dementia, it's usually not the only thing that they have. So it's a fairly easy case if, for example, there are knee problems, documented back problems, documented knee problems, some kind of problems, physical in nature. If we can document those problems, and document the the cognitive issues 
then it's generally a pretty easy case. If there are not any physical issues at all, and it's just the cognitive issues, then it's a little more difficult. It probably will take a little more time. But in the end, we're successful with in the 90% of these cases. I mean, these are these are generally really good cases. To get uh, approved. To get approved for, for SSD, Social Security Disability, right? Got it. So I guess I was going to ask you about blue-collar workers and, and if blue-collar workers have early onset, usually they have more physical conditions because of their years of, uh, you know, of hard work, actually doing physical work. So would it actually be easier uh, if they've got the same symptoms that we you know, described earlier, uh, you know, with the concentration and with memory and just their ability to, to function mentally, uh, even though they don't need to do that for their job, uh, the fact that they, if they have those symptoms as well as, you know, a, a lot of uh, physical issues, is it actually going to be a smoother ride for them? Well, it's just inherently a smoother ride for blue-collar workers, although we are seeing a lot of denials coming down now for some reason. But traditionally, it's been a, it's been a really smooth ride for blue-collar workers. And then adding on the cognitive issues is the cherry on top. And yeah. oftentimes not necessary but we're never comfortable with the amount of evidence we have. We always want more evidence of someone's inability to function at 100% on a day-to-day basis, whether that functioning is physical, knee problems, back problems, or mental with cognitive issues, short-term memory issues, uh, concentration issues, frustration involved also is a factor because as you know steve somebody whose cognitive um, abilities are going downhill usually gets really easily frustrated and some depression can can kick in also and we use we use all of that because social security looks at all of that and um, the combination of impairments generally does help with a case. So, I, I, and I don't want to get off on an in, in tangent, but you did mention that for some reason, Social Security, as of now, and we're uh, recording this in uh, August of 2020, that they're not approving as many cases. And I don't want to, you know, go off and, and spend the rest of the show talking about the problems with Social Security, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and just, you know, we could, we could do more than, you know, a 30 minutes on it, I'm sure. But are they particularly hostile to this type of a case? I would think they would be sympathetic because, you know, I mean, there's just so much evidence that early onset dementia and Alzheimer's is just crippling uh, to the individual. So, I mean, are are the denials just global as far as that, uh, you know, it could be for any type of condition or any type of injury or disease, or is it just focused on the early onset dementia individuals it's everything so it's it's across the board and it's affecting the older people are being affected along with everybody else but i 
I think it's particularly damaging to our older clients and older people in general because of the multitude of problems that they have. Got it. So I'm at, you know, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, what certain symptoms you're seeing out of uh, early onset dementia individuals who are coming to you to try to get their benefits. What is the Social Security Administration looking for? So is there a, you know, anything written that says, you know, if you have this, this, and this, you automatically are eligible for benefits or it's going to increase your chances of getting the benefits. So what, what specifically are they looking for in early onset dementia cases? Sure, that's a great question, Steve. And there's a, there's a, a huge misconception in the average person that um, the average person thinks that Social Security is actually looking at job activities. And they, they, the average person comes to me and says, well, I, could, I couldn't do my job. You know, my concentration was a problem. My, my short-term memory was a problem. And my, my employer noticed and my employer terminated me. Do you want me to get a letter from my employer saying that that was the reason? And I say, no, no, that's Social Security is not going to care about that. What Social Security is looking for are activities of daily living away from work that are being affected. And don't ask me why that is. I have no idea. Because I would think that it would matter quite a bit what happens in the workplace, but it really doesn't matter at the initial application level. And what what they're looking for is daily evidence of loss of complex attention, executive function, learning and memory, loss of, of language ability something called perceptual motor, which means just that you're, you're having trouble um, picking things up. You ha- you're, you're having trouble um, judging stares, <laughs> for example, because your brain isn't, isn't perceiving what's around you correctly. And then social cognition, which means you, you're losing your ability to understand what's socially acceptable. And uh, I have a really interesting example of that for frontotemporal dementia. That's, that's a real issue. Frontotemporal dementia is, is dementia that, that largely affects your frontal lobe. And, it, and it's almost always early onset. So it hits people in their early 60s, mostly. So what will happen is someone will lose the ability to understand what's socially acceptable and understand what's good for them socially, and will start going on gambling binges, they'll get a a boyfriend or girlfriend, go to Mexico, they'll just completely ruin their own lives because they they've lost the ability to 
understand what's going on socially. You know, it really affects the families of these people because the people forget about their families. And, and it's really, it's really awful, really tragic. But that's, that's something that's, that's pretty unique to frontotemporal dementia. What Social Security also looks for is um, a really severe limitation in understanding, remembering, or applying information, interacting with others. That kind of goes along with the social cognition, um, concentrating and adapting or managing yourself like are you taking a shower every day, for example? Are you um, only taking a shower once a week? Right, right, right. So I mean, obviously, if you have somebody who is uh, exposing themselves to people in, in the local park, I mean, that would be an example of this. But there's also more subtle examples. Absolutely. And, and when you get to the extreme end of things, yes, that's that's exactly what happens. But in the middle, there's a gray area. There, it's a continuum of, of behaviors. And, and sometimes it's as simple as just offending everyone. And that's something that it's hard for Social Security to put their finger on, that kind of behavior. Can't they bring in lay witnesses or, you know, the spouse or the children or someone who can say that, you know, mom or dad never did this before and now they're acting very irrationally and they're very bizarre, you know, their behavior is very bizarre. Does that help or? Yes. Yeah. So that does help. It does. It helps. What I prefer is a really good psychiatrist to document things because what will happen is, as you say, no one's witnessing this really except the family members and close friends. What'll happen is, and it's really, this is your, your tax dollars at work. What'll happen is the family and <laughs> friends know the best what's going on. Social security is not gonna really believe them. <laughs> They think that they're going to lie. They think that they're going to lie on, you know, on behalf of their, uh, you know, their, their loved one or their mother or father or exactly. grandmother or grandfather. That's exactly what Social Security thinks in, in the majority of cases. And sometimes it helps. What I prefer is that the family and friends go to the psychiatrist and tell the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist will write it in the notes and hopefully a letter. And then Social Security will believe the psychiatrist. So if they lie to the psychiatrist, it then, but it's documented in writing, <laughs> right. then, then they'll believe it. <laughs> it is. I mean, this All is right. like governmental idiots. Idiocy. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm sure. I'm sure that there might be. You know, once in a blue moon, there could be uh, someone. You know, who's scheming to get their. Uh, you know, get their parent. Uh, so it's great disability and come up with this, pl you know, this plan and or this all these stories that don't that aren't true. But for the most part, you know, they're honest. So you're saying going ahead and, and actually giving the evidence to the psychiatrist as opposed to doing it directly uh, is probably going to 
be better off for the uh, for the person that's applying. That's exactly right. It's a it's a, a really hard thing to wrap your mind around, but that's what they that's what they accept. Social Security. Okay, let me ask you this. So, let's say that someone is working at a place where they have um, or you know they've got long term disability, and once they start recognizing or once they know that they've got early onset dementia, they then apply for long-term disability. First off, that's separate from Social Security disability, correct? That's correct. So a private long-term disability policy is usually employer-sponsored. So a lot of white-collar workers will have, say, Unum or Lincoln Financial as an insurance company that that uh, where long-term disability benefits are available and those are separate from social security disability. And they usually pay about 60% of someone's salary. So it's a, it's a pretty good benefit. Right. So if someone applies for, they have long-term disability through their job and they apply and they get it and they start getting the 60%, you know, it's my uh, knowledge that the long-term disability carrier will require them to apply for social security disability, right? That's correct because it's an offset. So, you know, the, the Unums of the world don't want to pay 60% of, of someone's salary. You know, they want to pay less. They want to pay zero. They want to pay zero. Yeah. So they deny some cases, but uh, they want to pay, if they do pay, they want to pay less. And so social security disability is usually about 25 to 30% of someone's salary. So what'll happen is the long-term disability will reduce their payment to 30% of someone's salary and social security disability will pay 30%. And then the person still gets 60%, but it's just in different, from different sources. Right. So it all adds up to, to the same amount they were getting from long-term disability only. Social Security pays roughly half and long-term disability pays half. Right. Okay. So can you give us an example of a recent case you have with early onset dementia? What was the age of the person? What was their occupation? What were their symptoms? You know, just give us a, a, a sketch of, you know, this, this person. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to call her Jane. That's not her real name, but Jane Jane is a 59-year-old. 50, she worked in the medical field. Let's put it that way. I don't, want to, I don't want to give too many details about her job, but she worked in the medical field. She traveled around a lot, and she had a lot of responsibility for protecting patients. Okay. So, and she had and it was a very cognitively demanding occupation. She got paid a lot of money to do it, um, but she had a lot of responsibility. And if her, if her memory or concentration slipped, then people could get hurt. So she was obviously very concerned when she was diagnosed with vascular dementia. What is vascular dementia? The vascular dementia is um, a kind of dementia from the blood vessels of the brain, where the blood vessels of the brain break down, 
and it begins to affect concentration memory, that kind of thing. It's very progressive, as all types of dementia are, and usually shows up on a CT scan. And in her case, it didn't. So they changed the diagnosis to unspecified dementia in her case. And so, as I think many people know now, there no, there's no imaging that will identify Alzheimer's, right? Alzheimer's can only be objectively found upon death, upon an autopsy, right? The way they test for Alzheimer's dementia is through cognitive testing, which, which isn't imaging, obviously. But vascular dementia, you can see changes in the brain. So there were no changes in her brain. And so I don't want to get too much into the technical part, but she, so she was diagnosed with dementia. Uh, she started having problems with her job, obviously. And she was, you know, a very kind person, very caring about the patients. So she actually quit her job and her symptoms were relatively mild in her daily life. And she's still functioning. I mean, she's still functioning at home, going to the store, reading, watching TV, interacting with her family fairly normally. And so Social Security um, denied her case a couple of times. And we just had her hearing. And she had all kinds of other issues also, physical issues. And I actually did her long-term disability case also. So I had, I had talked to her for hours and hours about all of her issues. And we talked, we talked on the phone, I think more than I talked with any other of my clients. And um, I knew all her doctors, I thought. And the day before the hearing, I was asking her about her daily life. And one of the questions I ask is, can you take a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator and walk it to your kitchen table? And I asked her that and she said, she said, no, because of the arthritis in my hands. I said, arthritis in your hands? <laughs> You thought, you thought you knew her, Emmett. Apparently, you know, she was keeping something from you. I said, Jane, you never told me about, about this. And she right. says, oh, yeah, it's, it's gotten so bad I had to have surgery six months ago. Oh. I said, surgery, Jane, geez. She said, oh, my gosh, Emmett, I'm so sorry. Right. And that, yeah, that actually helps her case, right? Because the more physical oh ailments gosh. or afflictions, right? I mean, it, it helped in a lot of ways because the next day at the hearing, I said, I said to the judge, Your Honor, we don't have the medical records for this surgery. And she said, Why? I said, Well, Jane. Jane completely forgot to tell me about it. I mean, 
in hours and hours of conversation, she forgot to tell me this incredibly important piece of information. And it was at, soon after that that the judge said, I don't even need those records. And the, the implication when a judge says that is, I'm going to approve the case. So that was a vivid example, her forgetting to vivid. tell you about a medical provider. That was a vivid example of the cognitive issues she's having with, as a result of the early onset. Yes. And, and it was a complete inability to act in her own interest. And that, that is to Social Security, to Social Security judges, like you say, a vivid piece of evidence that someone is truly suffering cognitively they can't even act in their own interest sometimes yeah that's incredible well that and i'm glad to hear that gene got is going to get her benefits emmett so can you give our listeners our injured senior community two or three tips that they could kind of use to help them get benefits for either themselves or a loved one if they for applying and they have early onset dementia, what are some action steps or some tips they can take that will help them in the long run be able to get uh, Social Security or increase their chances of getting Social Security disability? Okay, the first one is document all of your illnesses or conditions, not just early onset uh, dementia because Social Security is going to look at everything and people think, well, I'm disabled because of dementia or my family member is disabled because of dementia. So that's what I'm going to go with. But that's going to hurt your case because you need to bring everything in. Like I mentioned, physical issues are really key to some cases. So bring everything in, document it go see doctors about it. If your knees hurt every day and you can't even stand up for, for half an hour at your, your grandson's baseball game, then go see a doctor about it. Number two, see a psychiatrist, first of all, because there's going to be issues. I mean, some people say, well, why would I see a psychiatrist? Um, it's dementia. There's no cure for it. Well, there's going to be associated feelings you have about losing your ability to function. And almost everybody has depression or anxiety related to it or related to your losing of your ability to work. That's traumatic. Go see a psychiatrist or at least go see a neurologist and tell the psychiatrist or the neurologist about what's going on in your daily life because that's what social security is going to look for and ideally your psychiatrist or a neurologist would write a letter that states what these this loss of functioning has done to your daily life over what period of time what treatments are being tried what medications are being tried and the effects of those treatments and medications. So those are the two tips. That's, that's great. Emmett, your calling obviously was not professional basketball, 
but uh, it, it, it was Social Security Disability and Elder Law. So thank you so much for sharing this uh, really, really much needed information to our listeners today. But we're out of time. I want to thank you for, uh, again, for uh, really revealing you know, some tips and, and action steps that they can take to increase their chances of getting it. But it kind of sounds to me that, again, if you just document it and you have other conditions, uh, that the combination will pretty much assure you of, 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 of getting the benefits. And then if you've got something which is, you know, something that they can see on an MRI, that makes it even more likely that they would get the benefits. So I'm really glad you came today. So if anybody in our injured senior community, Emmett, want to give you a call to talk to you about their own situation and they could potentially have early onset or a loved one does, what's the best way to reach you? So the best way to reach me is my website, which is ebilaw.com. That's E B as in boy, I L A W.com, ebilaw.com, or calling my office 443-839-0818. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. Great. Do you have an email address? Yes, it's ebi at ebilaw.com. Got it. Now, are you on social media at all, or they want to possibly find you on Facebook or any of the other platforms? Can they find you there? Absolutely. I have a YouTube channel. It's called the Disability Benefits Channel, and that is also the name of my Facebook page, the Disability Benefits Channel. Great, great. Thanks, Emmett, again. And we are going to have you back to talk about some other prevalent condition or disease and how people can navigate their way through the Social Security disability timeline. To, uh, for, you know, so we're going to have you on to talk about some other major type of uh, condition in the future. That's it for today, Injured Senior Community. If you have any questions or issues involving an injury, a disease, or a condition caused by the negligence of someone else, email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. Also, if you'd like to audition to be a guest on the Injured Senior Podcast, such as telling your, your own story as an injured senior or elder, or as the child or loved one of an injured senior or elder, and it could be about early onset dementia and, or any other topic or issue that you have, again, just email me at steveandinjuredseniorhotline.com. If you liked the content we discussed today in this episode, please head on over to our show notes where you will find a summary of today's show and any important links we mention in this episode. Always feel free to reach out to me, again, about your own story, and uh, I will be more than happy to uh, talk to you and uh, see if I can help out. Also, please consider subscribing to this podcast. Uh, the more downloads we get, the higher that we get rated and ranked, uh, the more successful the show comes, and I'll continue to do this podcast. So please subscribe to the podcast. 
uh, review and rate. A five-star review would be awesome. And I think today was definitely a five-star show. Thanks to Emmett. So thanks again for listening to the show. Be sure to tune in to next week's show. Be safe, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. So long. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time.